Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. We've been talking about servant leadership and the nine qualities of a servant leader. We've covered a lot of material values, diverse opinions, cultivates a culture of trust, develops other leaders, helps people with life issues, encourages, sells instead of tells, thinks you, not me, thinks long-term. And the ninth quality of a servant leader, which really is one that seems to go across all of the qualities of a servant leader, is this one. A servant leader acts with humility. When you think about humility, it's easy to think about the opposite of humility. The opposite of humility is usually defined as pride or arrogance. But humility is being aware of your own limitations, of your own shortcomings. It's knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and your need for other people to surround you. It's also about championing others, championing, I think I should say. It's often mistaken for other things. I I often ask people, what is humility? And they'll define somebody or they'll point something out. And I, I hear certain things over and over, which may be humility or may not. So for instance, introversion. People think, oh, if you're introverted, it means you're humble. But that's not true. Or low self-confidence. People point that out a lot and say, that person must be humble because they have low self-confidence. They're always saying, well, you know, gosh, I can't really do that, etc. That is not really true humility. Quietness is another one, somebody who's very quiet. They often are attributed as someone who is humble, but not any of those things are true. So for instance, you can be extroverted and still be humble. You can be confident and humble. You can be loud and be humble. You can be quiet and humble. You can be introverted and humble. You can be all of those things. None of those things are predictive indicators of your humility. So I've seen extroverted, confident, loud, but humble people. And I've seen introverted, shy, and quiet, arrogant people, and any combination of that that you can imagine, because those are not defining characteristics of humility. The best definition I've ever heard of humility is from C.S. Lewis. It's great. It says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So humility is putting others first. Ancient scripture puts it this way, Proverbs 11.2 says, with humility comes wisdom. There's so many things that if you're humble, you, you just see. And I think when you see in a leader, you just know, like, that person's humble. So if you really study somebody and say, is this person humble or not, I just encourage you to go beyond what you would think. Really look deeper and look for humility and think about what type of humility do I want to emulate? We know that humility is extremely important. Good to great author Jim Collins, he had a few findings. And one of the big findings that he brought forward in that book was that market performance and leadership being tied to humility was a key factor. I think it was one of the first times that was brought up in a research study that humility of the leader was actually a key factor of success. So today we have a storied, amazing panel to talk about this quality of a servant leadership, this quality of a servant leader, and that is 
Number nine, a servant leader acts with humility. Did you know that panel? I did. You did? I did. Because you've seen this before. I have. I I try to celebrate it all year, really. Humility or the qualities? Or the nine nine qualities. The nine qualities, really. (laughs) That's great. And um, yeah. So we have this great panel here. (laughs) Drew Bordas, who a few episodes ago wandered in off the street and uh, and I've stayed. It's been just it's been lovely. Been lovely okay. and uh, expert in now expert in servant leadership. That's how I'm going to introduce all of you now because this is the ninth quality. Ooh. And we have certified Tammy Spade. There you are, certified in servant leadership, and actually has led several servant leadership sessions with me in various settings. And Jennifer Collins, who is joining us again, who was here a few episodes back and took a break because she needed to clear her head from us. No, that's not it. Oh, never. I don't think Tammy (laughs) let her come out until now. (laughs) A little hold up. (laughs) We are glad to have you back, Jennifer, who um, can help us talk about these qualities of a servant leadership. So servant leadership and the expert panel, let's talk about humility. So when you think about humility, you hear me kind of open and talk about humility. I just want to start by talking about, I was talking about extroversion and loud and confident. And does that ring a bell for you? Have you heard that when people say, oh, you know, that person's humble? And because I've seen, it was shocking, actually. I, I saw somebody who was very quiet, very shy, very afraid to speak in front of a room who was the most arrogant person I actually could have imagined. I didn't realize it, but actually was extraordinarily arrogant. I mean, said the best way to lead this company is put everyone else under me because I am the one that should be leading everything. Mm. And I thought, wow, so somebody who's quiet, introverted, shy, not wanting to talk in front of the room is actually the most arrogant person in this team. That was surprising. But that happens. So have you, have you seen that? What's your or, or have you never seen that? I mean, I think it's a snap judgment you make. I mean, along the the Malcolm Gladwell blink lines, where people are looking for a shortcut, they're compartmentalizing. They're saying, "Look, loud, check, check, check. Okay, must be, you know, must not be humble." And and like your point in the intro, it's just not fair. It's not accurate. Um, and as somebody personally who can be loud and obnoxious and all, I, no, I want to be humble. I can be humble. That's not fair. Um, but I, I just think it's a snap judgment. As, uh, but as you get to know people better, you you know, you, you get to know, wait a second, hold on. I just don't know that people take the time to reform that judgment consciously, you know, like you're, like you're putting it. So it's a shortcut. So it's blink. I, I like yeah. that. I think that's probably true. That might be the reason why it's so common. Yeah. Have I'm, you, I'm have, on this panel for a reason, dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you seen that? Have you seen the same thing? I, I have. I mean, I think in general, there's a lot of information coming at us. And when we're meeting people, watching people, taking in sound bites, it's easy to correlate quietness with humbleness and correlate arrogance or pride with someone who is driving and directive. But I, I, I have also seen both types of leaders be humble. And I think one of the biggest signs for me is someone who says, I don't have all the answers. To me, that's a humble leader. I don't know all the answers. And they ask questions. What do you think? That's an indicator for me of a, of a humble leader, whether that's, they're outgoing or whether they're quiet. 
Agreed. Yeah. And that's that is wisdom, right? It's a very wise thing to be able to recognize that. And as a quality, this is the humility um, of servant leadership. And it is when you think of an extroverted person, somebody who's out there in front and they can speak and, and they're leading doesn't necessarily mean they're a servant leader. It can that's be right. that they're more of a direct leader. It's absolutely true. That's good. There's no correlation. Well, let's just stop and think about what is humility. So it, it it's easy to, to see or blink and judge, et cetera. But what is humility? I use the C.S. Lewis quote, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. What do you think humility is? When, when I say a servant leader is humble, what does that mean? I think it's something, you know, it's a trait where, it, so, so we've all, it's, as a leader, we've all been, we got to where we are for a reason. And we started out, say, you're leading a team. And we've all been in, in their shoes. And so I think we know where they've been. We took our own path, you know, our own thoughts and our own, our own leadership, our styles. We developed the way that we did. But then when you have a team and you think, okay, if you can step back and think of yourself less and you think about them and you know what they're going through, but they may be handling it differently. And so when you can come down to their level and understand what they're going through, how they're handling it, how you can help them, I think that's a big part of being a leader for that person, that individual, a different style for each individual. Kind of tailoring it to them. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Skip, if when you were putting these together, you put acting with humility at the end for a reason or if it just came to you that way. But when you look at some of the other servant leadership attributes, qualities, they would be hard to display without humility. Exactly. So it's very hard to be, for example, developing toward other leaders. As Jennifer was just saying, if you're not, if you think you have all the answers, it's it's not easy to value someone else's opinion if you think that your solutions are superior or your knowledge or your wisdom is superior. So again, for me, it's really understanding that you don't know all the answers and that that organizations and teams are better with different perspectives. And in order to facilitate that, you need to have a sense of humility about you. you This is also another nuance of leadership where to become a leader, you are an individual contributor. You are valued for what you know, what you bring to the team, what individual, 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 right? And then as a leader... That's not your role anymore. And and in the good to great example, I, I think the the reason some of those companies fail with the with the arrogant leader is the leader sucks all the vacuum out of the room. No one can shine but them. And that leader goes away and all of a sudden they've got no process, they've got no way to succeed because the one person that could do it left. And so you kind of have to shift of from that individual contributor succeed and and it was me to no, it's us. I'm a leader of a team and a leader is a part of a team. Yes, I will pick up on what you're saying. I read an article Jeff Hyman wrote where he was citing the Journal of Management. He said, humility in CEOs led to higher performing leadership teams, increased collaboration, and flexibility in strategy development. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it struck me what you were just saying because if you have an arrogant leader, and it doesn't have to be the CEO, right? Pick any team. Right. If you have an arrogant leader, then everything has to go through that person. That person makes all the decisions. And really what happens is it lowers the self-confidence of the team because they can't make any decision. And they haven't really developed the muscles to carry the difficult decision. So that person leaves or is wrong, can be either one, and you don't have a team that's challenging, open, saying, wait a minute, that that's not the way it should be going down. And 
So I think when you're humble as a leader, you realize, you, you know, and, and leadership, I'm always important, is not positional. But if you use the positional leader, the leader can often override everyone and just say, no, this is the way it is. Somebody has to make the decision. But a humble leader will say, let me get all the perspectives on the table and may shift and may shift their own opinion, may take the minority view, may take the majority. I mean, it's, it just depends. And I think if you think about this journal of management study that Jeff cited, CEOs that were humble led to higher performing leadership teams. I think it's because of that, right? So well, high performers could tend to self-select out after a while, that's a and good it becomes one, yeah. a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, why uh, should I be on this team? Right? Why should I be on this team? And then, so the team gets filled with people who don't feel that way, and it just cycles back on itself. Then, and I've seen a leader that you would describe probably more in the. I always call it a spectrum, right? There's humble on a spectrum, and then arrogant on a spectrum, and. It's in the eye of the beholder. Somebody would, somebody that says, oh, you're really confident. Somebody else would say you're arrogant. And I think everybody has that different perspective. But I saw somebody who you would definitely put on the arrogant side of things. I think everyone that came in contact with this leader would say that. And nobody would speak up. Nobody, why bother challenging? Why bother with my idea? Why bother creating or innovating? Because it's going to be your way anyway. And if I give an idea, you'll take credit for it. And so you just watch people back up and you're definitely not getting the, there, there really is no team, I think, in that situation. Right. You're mm -hmm. not getting the best out of the team. You're not getting the different perspectives that'll lead to a better solution. Mm -hmm. I, I remember once working with a leader um, who said to me, you know, I think differently than most people. I think in five different planes at the same time. And the <laughs> smartest person generally can only think in three. <laughs> Nice. They said this to you? They said this to me. Ooh. And I, I just remember thinking, wow, I, who, who possibly could rival your tremendous mind in coming up with solutions? I mean, this was a person who absolutely didn't think that anyone else could think on the same level or that very few people could. But when you're creating products and services for a diverse market, as we were in that case, and you don't have the, the rounded thinking, you don't have all sides of the brain included there, you're not going to come up with a product that's going to, to get very far in the market. And in that case, we didn't. And, and, you know, I think humble leaders as well, the opposite, when you have someone who's not humble, you're not inviting people in from outside of your silo. So if you're arrogant, you're, you're sending a message that says, Get back in your box. Get back to your discipline, and I will do what I do, and you stay doing what you do. And what that does is you lose this outside perspective. I often always say, what would my mom think of this? And my mom has no technology background at all, can't use a, a, an iPad without assistance, right? So, you know, you can you can picture the, the type, um, and it's not a type because – uh, a good friend of our family was right up until he died this year at a, almost 101 was sending me things and all over the internet and watching things, et cetera. So it's not an age thing, but she's, she's getting up there and not listen, you know, never was a technology person, but I would always say, what would my mom think? And the expert would say, who cares? I'm the guru. I'm the genius. I think on five planes at the same time. Right. But if you don't welcome somebody in who doesn't know, you're going to miss that kind of aspect of, oh, yeah, 
how am I communicating to this person? How am I reaching, right? Diverse audiences. So I put acts with humility last because precisely I think it actually underpins every one of these because it does help, you know, diversity of opinions and having a diverse team is really, you have to have humility because you have to listen to a point of view that you thought, oh, I'd have the answer. Oh, wait, no, I didn't. Trust, humility, developing other, you know, each one of these is, is so very important. I want to get to this. How do you practice humility? So if you want to be a, a leader who is practicing humility, is developing humility, what does that look like? What do you do differently? So we've already established it's not about whether you're loud or quiet, whether you're extroverted or introverted, whether you're shy or, you know, none of those things have anything to do with it. But what does it look like? What what practices do leaders deliberately take? Tammy, you mentioned one earlier, leaders that are humble ask questions and not leading questions to gotcha or, isn't it true that you said? Right, <laughs> right. exactly. Well, not all the Don't questions. you agree this is the right answer? Yes. No, no. You, you would say things like, you know, what do you think? Um, how would you approach this? How have you seen this handled in the past? I think questions, and we've talked about the power of questions before, but questions that invite other perspectives, questions that demonstrate, yeah, I'm a, I'm a member of the team. I may have a certain role at this point, but I don't have all the answers. I was just upstairs where we're able to update one of our spaces, and we're looking at some elements of branding. And It looks fabulous. It does look fabulous. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Little side note. <laughs> Workspace it is really so looks fabulous. important. So important. We're going to do a session on that at some point. Yeah. It really makes a big Super difference. Super exciting. How are we going to get that on the on the podcast? Visuals? We'll have to do a video podcast on that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. I look Carrie forward to that. Carrie can do it. He can do anything. He is. <laughs> yeah, bring it back, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the task a, person says, bring it back. It's about humility. But we were up looking at ways to reflect our branding in, in the space, to remind the team, this is why you're here. And we had three different elements. And, you know, the reflections of graphical presentations are very individual. So four or five of us stood there, including an intern, and we just said, which one do you like and why? Well, this is the pro I th- I see to that one. This is the con. I'm afraid this one would do this. I really like this aspect of that. And we just sort of, you know, went around and said what we thought about it. It was a small exercise. I I really wasn't thinking about humility necessarily, but asking other people questions and inviting them into the solution. I think another key way that leaders do it is giving an assignment to someone. That demonstrates humility, but it also demonstrates faith um, and confidence in the person's capability. I love that because, you know, when you think about a, a leader, one of, one of your biggest jobs, I guess, is having that vision, communicating that vision, helping your team to understand the vision. And so something like that where you have, you know what the end goal is, you know what that long-term strategy is, and now you need to help to define that for your group and help them learn how to strategize it because you're also developing them into leaders, um, again, thinking long-term. And so so, you know, backing up and again, having this as the last, the final trait of the nine traits of servant leadership and the diversity of opinions. And like you were saying, getting their ideas and bringing all of that together to help them be a part of developing that vision and that solution and just the creativity, I think is huge in developing people. And I think, you know, you can, if you allow it to, failure can be a great teacher of humility for those of us that humility does not come naturally to. And if you get enough experience um, and, you know, you are trying to do hard things, you will occasionally fail or not hit a goal. 
And how do you react to it? How do you learn from it? How do you as a leader, you know, really honestly reflect on what part of that did you play and how do you get better as a team and recognize it? That was one that I is near and dear to my heart, obviously, having written the book of mistakes. Mm -hmm. I say I'm such a master at it. I wrote a book about them. <laughs> and admitting mistakes, I think, is such a hallmark of a humble leader. Yes. Of just saying, I, you know, and it may be a big mistake, right? Some, some, sometimes it's, you know, I shouldn't have, we shouldn't have acquired that company or something like that. But it's often not that. It's often the, you know, I, I was really tired and I probably shouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. I should have this and that and the other. And, you know, I have to, I need some help on such and such, et cetera. So kick me under the table. That's why you have Tammy, right? Yeah, but she always sits far away. I think Tammy sits far away so she can, like, give me eye contact. Drew, Drew sits right next to me and can kick me. Uh, so He doesn't pat you on the back. He actually uh, does kick the direction. No, there's, there's, there's no touching. There's no, yeah. it's, it's just kicks. No touch. So, um, yeah, but, but admitting mistakes, such a key quality of a leader. Absolutely. And when you think about an arrogant leader, the opposite of humility, they never have a mistake. They never admit anything. It's as if if I admit one little thing, it is a weakness. And if I admit a weakness, then I'm going down. When in fact, the opposite's true, right? A little mm -hmm. bit of vulnerability is uh, key. And I think that's the other part of it is a humble leader to me demonstrates or is vulnerable uh, at times. Now, you don't want to follow a leader who's always vulnerable, right? Meaning helpless and oh my gosh, we do not have somebody who is captaining this ship. Yeah, she or he is not giving us the confidence that we are going the right direction. But being vulnerable, I think, is helpful because it shows that somebody else can then come in and help and, and demonstrates humility. You see that one. Another one I'm thinking of is uh, listening, something I'm always working on, right? being a better listener. I don't think you can ever be a perfect listener. Some are better than others. We're all on a journey learning, but listening more. And I mean, listening to the words, listening beyond the words to the emotion, to the signals, to the body signals, to the eyes, to what's going on there. Tone. Tone, mm -hmm. right? All of those things. And a humble leader seems to me to be one that's just a really good listener. I think it's often back to your thin slicing, mm. you were saying blank, blank with yeah. Gladwell. When you see somebody who's quiet, often often they can be a good listener too. I mean, they're not always, right? Some people are quiet and they're just like on their phone. But if you're quiet and you're listening, that can be a sign of humility. Just Just listening. Just take it in. Just tell me more. And understanding what you're what you're dealing with do you do you think that resonates with you the the listening component you're all listening we are we listening. are listening intently <laughs> yes because it's it by by the virtue of listening you are saying to yourself and to the speaker what you have to say is valuable mm -hmm. and that's an act of humility in and of itself right i'm interested in what you you have to say in your thought process mm -hmm. and and giving praise, I think, instead of taking it. And even more so when you give credit freely when you could take it, I yes. think it's a sign, mm -hmm. right? You could easily just take that credit, but you share it. And 
leaders that are humble to me are always looking at trying to put the spotlight on others and saying, let me tell you about Jennifer and what she did. I say that often, Jennifer. Just <laughs> she is super awesome. Super awesome. And it, when you shine that light on others, I think that, that I mean, it boosts their confidence. It makes them leaders. It goes back to uh, helping develop other leaders. They, they get confidence from that as well. But giving that praise and giving that credit, especially when you could take it or share in it, I think is a really powerful one. Have you seen instances where, I mean, I know you have, right, where somebody stole the credit and what that's done to the culture, where that consistently has happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's like you said a little, little bit ago, you're, you're going to be hesitant to, uh, you know, give that guy another idea or, you know, her uh, uh, be part of that big, hard project that I'm going to work a million hours on. And uh, yeah, you just, you, you get a team that doesn't want to do that. You're not going to do great things with a team like that. Yeah, they're always watching their back mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. saying, you know, what is this all about? And it's like a power struggle or something. And especially funny to me in positional authority when there's no reason to take it. Like the, you don't need to, right? I mean, I think people often mistake positional authority. The very, the very fact that you have all these people that are doing all these amazing things, you by very nature of your position have the credit for all of that. You don't need to take it. You need to give it away. You need to thank them for what they're doing because they're doing it in part because of your leadership of allowing them to shine. You know, when I, when I see people do that, I always think of – an issue of insecurity when I watch that, yes. that they feel insecure. And at the beginning, Skip, you were talking about confidence and humility being somehow at odds or people perceiving them at odds. They're really not. Actually, they're very closely linked because to be humble, often you are a confident person. You may not be extroverted, but you're, but you're confident and you can give away power. You don't have to grab power or grab credit. Yeah, that quiet confidence is or allows you to, to kind of give it away in a, in a more impactful way. And I think that comes with maturity, time, and also those around you. I, sometimes I tell people you have to borrow, borrow confidence, borrow authority, borrow power. And then once you do that, it can, it can let you go. Sometimes you have to tell people to be conscious of it. So... Uh, I've been in a situation where I entered a new situation of leadership and I told somebody, they don't know me. I need to borrow some of your authority. I need to borrow some of your credibility. And I need you to do this, this, and this to help me do that. If you do that, it's going to short circuit the whole process of me leading. And this is part of what is uh, so powerful about social proof. So if you think about social media today and blogging, et cetera, social proof is actually you're, you're borrowing someone else's credibility and authority in order to lead. You're borrowing somebody else's confidence. So if you look at the back of any book, my book included, you have quotes from different people, right? You know, this book, blah, 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 blah. You know, I write enough of them up all the time. So I, I know what that is. And it's, it's saying, I'm giving you some authority. I'm giving you some credit. I'm giving you some ability to lead. And I think um, people have to borrow that at times. 
Have you seen that used consciously? It's not usually used consciously. Usually people are afraid to ask. It takes confidence to ask and say, I need to borrow your credibility here. I think you're on the fifth plane of thinking about certain <laughs> leadership. <The> leadership acumen. <laughs> well, it's important. It's not something people think about. Now, people do think about social proof. So they're introducing a product or service. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about quotes or customer testimonials or what have you. But it, it really is important. And you know, think about your teams, right? If you have a team member that you've had your boss literally put a stamp of approval on you and they know it, you're able to walk in with an authority and a confidence in a way and act in a more powerful way mm-hmm than others that don't have that. And you can actually act more with humility because you ha- you're you rooted in such strong power. You can, but you don't. it doesn't always play out that way. I, I was just going to say, when you get that type of, of anointed power almost, use it carefully, right? Because you've got to make sure you're eventually shifting into your own, your own leader, not just the voice of the leader that that put you there, and, and you got you got to it's a careful you line, to walk isn't that it? line carefully. It's interesting. I, I've been the benefactor of someone doing that. I don't know how many times I've actually thought to ask about it, but when you do it strategically, because you're looking into that audience, whoever the audience is, and you're thinking about what their perspectives are going to be, what's on their minds, and then you recognize the situation you're coming into. I think it's a really strategic question to ask someone to help you with. I I like Mm. it. Yeah, I think of it very uh, consciously, even if we have an outside speaker coming in to speak at this organization that I lead, and I stand up and introduce that person, what I'm doing is I'm saying, I'm giving you this mantle of credibility and authority in a way that if you were coming in as a speaker and you had to build that up, you, you, you might even sound arrogant, like it's better for me to share it and praise you than True. for you to get up and mm-hmm. say, no, let me tell you right. why I'm going to be the yeah. best speaker you've ever had. It's like mm-hmm. when your customers praise your products instead of you. Much better. It, right? yes. It's way better. Yes. Very true. Right? Yes. And so acting with humility as a leader is uh, being cognizant of all of this, right, of your own brand as a leader. That's really what I'm getting to. A, a leader as a brand, if you're acting with humility, you – should develop people who are able to give you that authority, praise, credibility, recognition without you having to do it. Because it's not about posi- – I mean, a positional power, you can always do it. You know, here's my title. But that's not the real power. Mm-hmm. Much more powerful is one person on a team saying, you need to really listen to Ann. I mean, this is amazing, et cetera, et cetera. And then Ann can come in with a quiet confidence and, and lead in, in a much better way, in a humble way. Servant leadership on the fifth plane. <laughs> Maybe I should say the five planes of <laughs> the five, planes, uh, of the five planes of the nine qualities of servant <laughs> leadership. Yes, I like it. That'll be the next season, though. We can't get to that now. Season so, two. nine qualities of a servant leader. The ninth is acts with humility, thinks long term, thinks you, not me, sells instead of tells, encourages, helps people with life issues, develops other leaders, cultivates a culture of trust and values diverse opinions. C.S. Lewis put it the best way, I think. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. These are nine qualities of servant leadership that make a remarkable difference. And when you see a servant leader, it is significantly different than the other types of leadership. 
So those are the nine qualities of a servant leader. I hope you've enjoyed going through them, and I hope that you've taken something, not just if you're a positional leader, but wherever you are in any organization, these are key qualities of success and leadership that will resonate with people in a much more powerful way than if you just simply think you can take control and tell people what to do. That is no longer the definition of leadership, if it ever was. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher. <laughs>